Welcome to episode number 11 of the Hustle Sanctuary. Our guest today is Evan Kleiman. Good to be here. Thanks for coming on, man. Um, so you had a little car trouble before you got here. I did, but I've arrived. <laughs> I'm here. It's a metaphor, I think, for for this show and for life. So so what happened? You, you parked your car and it was not there when you came out. Yeah, so I have, I just got an electric, which has been really kind of a fun change because uh, it's almost become a game of how many miles I can get off one tank. <laughs> So I get gets up to 24 miles. That's incredible. On the charge. That's incredible. And uh, anyway, so I go there and they had moved the car. And the lesson learned was really about finding stillness mm. in the uncertainty and unknowingness of whether I was going to see my car again. So I immediately started to get frantic when I couldn't find it. And then I thought, how can I implement some of my meditative practice into this moment? <laughs> And so I started to take deeper breaths and go, it's just a car. We'll find it. And finally, I found it. And here I am. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> Welcome aboard, brother. It's good to you be know, here. You know, you sharing that story, it just clicked. Like, okay, that's, that's the whole ethos behind the podcast, right? When there's like changes on your path to be chill and to be open. You know what I mean? Where are you from originally? Let's get a little back history here. Awesome. So I uh, was born and raised in LA mm -hmm. and I lived here up until the time I was 18 and then went to the University of Oregon, Eugene. Okay. Oh, that's a real peaceful environment up Super there, isn't peaceful, it? Yeah. Nice. Man. Hometown of Nike, rushing rivers, mountains, forest, oh. nice little liberal arts college town. Yeah. I studied international business. Okay. It was one of the only interdisciplinary majors on campus. So I got to learn from philosophers, psychologists, cultural anthropologists, doctors, finance experts, just a little bit about everything. It was a perfect balance of forested, relaxed living. Yeah. And just the excitement around big Pac-10 sports. It's like the best of both worlds. Yeah. And did yeah. you know how Nike was created? Uh, no, Phil Knight did something, right? What? He made the first ever Nike shoe with a waffle iron. Is that a true story? It's a true story. Wow. I think at the time they were running with Converse and they thought, wow, what would it be like if our runners had tread on the mm. bottom of their shoes? Mm. So they made the first ever tread. They waffle Nike iron the, the sole. They waffle iron the sole and they put it on the bottom of a Converse. That's so rad. And that's, that's, that's how awesome. Nike came to be. Wow. So it was really nice because you go in there, it's very unassuming. And in some ways it feels like it's frozen in the 60s, mm. especially if you go to a Saturday market there and bust out the hula hoop and get your dance on. There's a flea market there? There's a, or, like, uh, there's farmer's a market. amazing farmer's market every Saturday in Eugene. Oh. So you just never think that like this massive global empire would emerge out of this tiny, tiny little town. It sounds like there's some good you know, entrepreneurship up there and some creative energy. Absolutely. And you also have the peaceful woods. Exactly. I might move there. It's a good spot. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, all right. So you get your degree, right? And, yeah. and, and let's talk about what happens after you get the degree. Was there, what do I do next? Was there, um, soul searching? What was there? Oh, there's, all, there's been soul searching since the time I was probably 10 or 11 years old. Nice. A few years ago, I was at a TED active in Palm Springs and we're sitting around the campfire at night. Mm -hmm. And this woman from Russia, she leaned over and she said, 
What was something about you in third grade that's remained consistent up until this time in your life? And I thought, wow, I'm used to having people ask me, what do you do or what's your name? I might have to steal that question. It's so good. Like, wow, let's (laughs) I love this. So I sat there contemplating and what I arrived at was that I have an insatiable curiosity of people. I mean, from the time I was a really young kid, I just wanted to meet and connect with as many people as possible. It's in your DNA. Absolutely. It's like, it's just how it's just a part of the fabric of who I am. That's incredible, man. That's incredible. And, um, I guess that just came to me, but like, what are, what, what, what are the pros and cons of that, of, of, of having that proclivity? Like, are you, you're inspired obviously by some people you meet, but are you ever let down by some people you meet too? That's a really interesting question. I don't necessarily feel like I'm let down by the people that I meet, but if from a, from a, the standpoint of needs-based psychology, mm-hmm. if everything we do is driven by needs, like for example, Maslow's hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy you know, yeah. a need for safety, a need for belonging, mm-hmm. uh, a need for self-actualization. Every one of us as people has a different appetite for each need. Mm. So like, for example, some of us might have a much higher need for security and mm-hmm. certainty mm-hmm. than someone else would who loves adventure, who loves the thrill of uncertainty. So we each have a different appetite for it. Mm. To come back to the question you asked me, I have a strong and high need for a deep sense of connectedness with people. If I was to say someone to someone in a bus stop, what makes you feel most alive? If I catch the right person, they might be like, wow, that's refreshing. Surfing or whatever it is, is what makes me feel, feel most alive. But in some other cases where people aren't necessary, necessarily used to that kind of dialogue, it's the, the conversation can't go as deep as I'd like it to go, um, as fast as I'd like it to go. One of the realizations I had when, uh, after my Vipassana retreat yeah. several years and ago. And Vipassana was, is a 10 day silent meditation for those that don't know. Yeah. Thank but, you. Yeah. <laughs> is that every, you know, we might understand meditation as being like sitting on a mat in silence and taking deep breaths. Mm -hmm. But what I arrived at is that everything that allows you to achieve inner stillness Mm -hmm. is in one way or the other a vehicle, a meditative vehicle. So for example, what a monastery might be for a monk in Burma, a movie theater might be for an American in the US. Mm. Because if I was a monk and I went into a monastery in Burma, and I meditated for two hours and I was completely still. All the monkey chatter in my mind just dissipated. And I was just there now deeply engaged in the moment and I leave feeling blissed out. Well, for some people, they have that same exact experience in a movie theater. You know, like they aren't thinking about their to-do list or their life or they're not worried. They're just blissed out for two hours and then they leave and they're like, whoa, what just happened to me? And so anyway, I just like to That's a great turn point. things upside That's a great down point. and think that, you know, of course there's a million ways to look at reality TV or certain elements of pop culture. They're voting for Donald Trump. And perhaps that is what it, it, watching those, that kind of television mm-hmm. becomes a vehicle for inner stillness. That's really good, man. I totally... I didn't consider that because that's not at face value. You know, you, you think that the 
the dude that's going to the woods and meditating, you know, is, is far more conscious, you know, than, than the person that throws on the Kardashians. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the case. I just heard this quote, man, on this topic. It's so funny. Um, really spoke to me and it was, uh, we have a cultural allergy to vulnerability. It's funny you say that today, this random guy was on my way to lunch and this guy walked up to me and he's like, I'm in an improv class mm-hmm. and I need you to tell me the first three words that come to your mind when you look at me. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. You know, Random. So yeah. that's never happened to me before. Yeah. So he's wearing all blue. First thing I thought about was ocean. He's wearing a pair of uh, boat shoes. So I said, you, you like sailboat. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that came to me was uh, a word that I learned last year at camp, Camp Grounded, yeah. which is vulnerageous. I heard that word too. <laughs> Vulnerable and courageous. <laughs> like, Vulnerageous was the third word that came to my head. That's rad. You just coming up to a random stranger and saying, hey, what's your initial judgment yeah. of me is yeah. pretty vulnerable and it's courageous. 100%. So he's like, whoa, I've never heard that before. Vulnerageous? <laughs> That's <laughs> rad. You just blew my mind, man. Oh, man. So in thinking about in the theme of transition, uh, what kind of conditions are set me up for success? As I'm transitioning. Mm. So one thing that comes up to the top of my mind immediately is the impact and influence that my community has on me. Okay. So if let's say, for example, I've always been a jokester and I'm surrounded by a group of people that always have seen me as a jokester. And now I'm feeling this urge to transition into a, Mm. maybe perhaps a more of an intellectual chapter of my life where I want to redefine what I am and what I'm about and how I'm showing up in the world. And yet my whole community around me only sees me as a jokester. Dude, this is amazing. I just want to stop and congratulate you for a second because out of 11 episodes, um, bring it in out of 11 episodes, dude, the only person that talked about like the transitions within we we would focus on the transitions externally. You see what I mean? And we would talk about people's reactions, responses to that. But dude, you're bringing it to a whole nother level. It's so important to think about the context and environments that we're in during the middle of transition. So let's talk about somebody that maybe doesn't have the most supportive environment or community who's going through transition. Because I think the case you gave, they were were understanding, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that I thought about is a few years ago, I went and saw the Dalai Lama up in Seattle. Awesome. And they asked him about world peace. And he he said, well, it all begins with the mother. Like if all of us only knew from the Mm. love of a mother, Mm. we would perhaps live in a kinder, more compassionate, gentle world. True. And, And then he said, and... The family dynamics are the last of the spiritual frontier. My hope is that everyone would be able to get up complete with their families and have people there to support them. Mm -hmm. And I know that for a lot of people, that's not the case and it may never be the case. So for those of you, I would say, A, do everything in your power to get, have authentic, vulnerable, honest and constructive conversations with your family to make peace with whatever is not peaceful. And if that isn't there, you can always, you know, um, 
you know, find or create supportive community. I know that those communities are out there for people. As you long have to as dig. You, you have to dig yeah, and, yeah. them and find your tribe. Yeah, for you sure. Know, find people who see your greatness, yeah. hold you to that, yeah. want to support you in who you're becoming, not who you've been. The thing for you to take away for all of your listeners is really to go at any time there's any kind of suffering in your life or you're going through a tr transition is one, think about the context, think about your environment and surround yourself in an environment that, that really nourishes your evolution, your success as a per person. So that's really huge. And the next point is to really, uh, is to think about what it would mean to completely redefine who you are and to do that by getting super curious about why you are who you are hmm. and how you've become who you've become. And this gets pretty philosophical and ontological, but the, the second major point is just be curious. That's get great. curious. That's great. Any time your life isn't working, get, get curious. curious. Yeah. Ask yourself why, 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 why? Keep asking those whys and have someone that can do that for you, whether mm. it's seeing a therapist or joining a group, just get curious and you will discover a lot of the subconscious stuff that's beneath the surface. So let's say I'm in a dead end job that I really don't like. I'm unfulfilled. I'm drained when I come home at work every day. I don't have great relationships with my coworkers. I don't really have a manager that's committed to my success or supporting me in my success. And yet I also, it's affording me a home. It's affording mm. me a car. It's affording me travel. It's health affording insurance. me health insurance. Yeah. It's affording me, you know, I'm paying off my student loan debt. Mm. So those, t when I was talking about benefits of our suffering, the benefits in that particular case is that you get to eat and live and mm. see friends and do your thing. The negative sides of the suffering are that you're in a dead end job. You're not growing. You're feeling trapped mm. and you're staying in that for a long period of time. So the next question would be, well, why is it that we stay in those dead end situations for much longer than we should? Right. And I think everyone's answer to that would be different. Uh, for a lot of us, it's, it's fear of the unknown. And sometimes that fear, it, yeah. um, sometimes that fear prevents us from taking action. Perhaps one of the things, one of the ways out of that is to be vulnerable and to be authentic and to mm. reach out to people and there say, hey, listen, this is what really brings me alive. This is what I, this is how I want to serve the world. Like, yes. If you try to think in a, in a context of like, how am I going to make money? You know, we could talk about how you find enlightenment or how do you find, have, have a career and make a living and find that too. And I, and one way that this was framed to me that was so powerful is that everything that we're doing is providing a solution to someone's pain. So go if, into that specifically. So I can understand example in the world of, you know, in today's capitalistic world, every service is a solution to someone's pain. So I'm hungry. That's a pain point. Yeah. There's a restaurant. There's a solution for my pain. Right. So everything's a solution for someone's pain. Or even this podcast. Man. Or even this somebody, podcast. somebody's like transitioning out of a job. They're like, ah. Exactly. And they're thinking, yeah. how do I do with it? You know? Right. So I go, okay, well, if for those of you that are listening are thinking to yourself, I don't know what makes me feel alive. I don't know what's next for me. Then try to think about it through this lens. 
what solutions do you want to provide for people? Mm. Do you want to, a hairstylist, take someone whose hair is messy or too long and they make them feel beautiful? Mm. Like, do you want to provide the solution of beauty to people Mm. or makeup artist? Do you want to inspire people through film, you know? And whatever it is, everything that each one of us is doing and making a living doing it is a service we're to make solving someone's problem. People's so lives think better. about yeah. what problems do you want to solve? Huh. And then wrap your mind around that. And that will give you a whole other angle to really approach. Oh, my goodness. Like, for example, I being an ice cream maker, I want I want to solve sadness or I want to solve hunger by making the world's most delicious ice cream. Nice. And I want to become like the world's expert, foremost expert in ice cream making, you know, whatever that is for you. And then wrap your mind around that and then go find the people who are making the best ice cream. Actually, like it's funny you say that because (laughs) the guest who two or three episodes ago um, has one of the most successful ice cream companies in Ohio. That's awesome. (laughs) It's crazy. I hope we can, I hope he listens to this and can send us some. (laughs) Think about this. So the... Uh, supposedly the happiest country in the world is Bhutan. And they actually have a metric called the GNH, which is the gross national happiness of their people. No. So every year they measure the gross national happiness of all their people. And the reason I'm sharing this is because as you sit and you scroll through your friends' Facebooks and their Twitters and you see all the other great things they're doing because they're sharing the aspects of their life that they want to share with you and you're left feeling empty or unfulfilled or shitty about your own life, think to yourself, well, what kind of conversations would I have with all those people that are seemingly at the top of their game, doing really well, excelling, if I ask them, are you fulfilled? Are you fulfilled? Do you, are you excited to wake up in the morning? Do you love what you're doing? Do you create meaningful impact for people? Mm. And to ask them those kinds of questions, because I can't tell you how many people I've had sat down with. And it depends what kind of conversation you initiate. Like, in other words, if I start saying, hey, I just got a brand new this and I'm living the dream and I'm like, I just traveled the world. Then we get into an egoic like game of uh, racquetball Mm -hmm. where we're just telling each other all the things that are great about our life. (laughs) Instead, when I've entered conversations really authentically and I've said, you know what? I'm struggling in my life right now. Like I'm just not going through a great time. It immediately gives the other person I'm communicating with permission to be authentic and vulnerable too. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> these people who show up in like brand new cars and with a brand new house that are making over six figures and like their life looks perfect are like, I'm fucking miserable. I'm so unhappy. Exactly. And I'm just doing it to keep up with the Jones, but I'm not really living my and, truth. And 100%. Let's say, my I'm miserable at work. I'm in a dead end job. And I think to myself, I've listened to this podcast. I get really inspired mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm thinking I'm going to wake up tomorrow wear my like Tommy Bahama Hawaiian shirt <laughs> and just reenact a scene out of office space <laughs> where I totally tell my boss how I feel about work. What if they fire me? Like, what if I'm out of a job tomorrow? What if I'm, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to, what is that going to mean? Am I going to have to start job searching again? And that's the trap. I think that a lot of, a lot of us are worried about the consequences of honesty. Hmm. And we, and so we'd rather stay miserable 
then really lean into the, the fear and unknowingness of what would happen if we were authentic and spoke our truth. I tried all these jobs, I explored different things, and all the while I felt really unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. I'd come home at the end of the day and I felt like drained and I felt so unfulfilled. Stifled. Stifled, I felt trapped. You know, I wasn't making great money. I wasn't, I was, didn't feel like I was growing, evolving. I didn't necessarily feel empowered by the people I was surrounding myself around. And it wasn't a future that I was excited to live into. Mm. Like it wasn't, I didn't look at the people around me that were 10 years ahead and go, I want to be like you when I grow up. Mm. So that was kind of a clear sign of like, well, if this isn't a future that I want, then I'm not in the right place. But then, of course, there was all the other things like bills I had to pay and responsibilities that I had to live up to. And so I would stick in some of those situations for longer than possible. So at 28 years old, I decided I'm going to go and become a psychologist mm. because I love having really deep conversations with people. I love really getting to the heart of someone's psyche and their soul and their, you know, just connecting on that level. And that's where I think I can uh, again, coming back to being the solution, that's where I feel like I can add the most powerful solutions to people's pain is through that therapeutic relationship. I realized a few years, a few months into the program that while I'm always and forever will be a student of psychology and human behavior and positive psychology, that I couldn't actually imagine myself sitting and having a private practice and seeing clients back to back 40 hours a week for the next 40 years of my life. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine that. And that's- Did you think, did you think about that before you went, you know, into school or did that thought sort of occur to you when you were already in school? I didn't think about it ahead of time, but this is a, again, for everyone who's listening to this, really huge. Think about, ask people who are doing what you think you want to do, what their life is like. Mm. What's their lifestyle? Are they able to create their own hours? What, you know, like think about it from the standpoint of how do you want to design your life? The other thing that I think about is how important collaboration and partnership and knowing yourself looks like. You know, we talked a lot about self-discovery and knowing yourself. For me, I know that my, the way my brain is wired is that I'm a strategist. I'm a high level thinker. Mm -hmm. And there are also people that are very methodical very pragmatic. And so I might say, Hey, can you imagine if we built a flying, like a, a flying hoverboard and we can just like go and have a coffee over the hills and wouldn't that be awesome? And I can ideate and think about this great idea with you. And then someone who's really pragmatic and really detail oriented would go, can start Googling. Where the hell do you start with building that? Like, how are we going to, you know, they're thinking about the nuts and bolts and the actual right. process. Exactly. Of building out. So if you know that I'm in the, I'm in the former group with you. Totally. Yeah. If you know that that's the case, mm -hmm. then find people who thrive off of process and details and, and are extraordinary executors mm. and build your team with people who have complementary skill sets. And if you're going, well, how do we know if they have complementary skill sets? Fortunately, there's all these assessment tools out there like Myers-Briggs, yeah. Disc Assessment, Strength Finders by Marcus Buckingham. Another great one is called Stand Out. Huh. And I've also heard of the Hogan Assessment, which I haven't taken, but I've heard really great things about it. And there are simple assessments where you can learn about, like, for example, with the Stand Out Assessment, it was recently created by Marcus Buckingham and his team. And Marcus Buckingham is 
his whole thing is about strength-based leadership. Hmm. Like if everyone was doing work that aligned with their strengths, we would be far more engaged and driven. Hmm. So this is this assessment, what it does is you take 34 questions, you answer 34 questions within a certain time period, and it tells you your top two engagement drivers. So for me, there's nine universal ones, and I took it five times, by the way, and I got the same results every time. Wow. So in <laughs> like in a clinical or in an academic environment, they would say that it has high retest validity, meaning you could take it in five different moods, in five different environments, and you're going to get the same results. Wow. So the top two that I got were teacher and advisor. Mm. And it was so enlightening to me because... You already knew that about yourself. I didn't. (laughs) You didn't? I did, but I didn't know it like to that extent. And so the whole idea is that the two top things that drive everything I do are teaching and advising. Mm. That's why I'm a big time student. Yeah. So I can teach and I can advise. So if you created a career for me... Best teacher is also the best student is a quote I like. I love that. Where I could just teach and advise, I'm going to be fully engaged day in and day out. Mm Mm-hmm. And so anyway, for all of you listening, there's several different really great assessments that you can administer to your team members or to even potential partners and say, hey, like these are the skill sets that I think would really powerfully complement the things that I'm great at. And you hire for those complementary skill sets to give a gift to everyone who's listening today Mm -hmm. is that one of the things I've learned along the way is that life provides us with a curriculum Mm. for growth every moment of every day and so in that moment of not knowing where my car was not finding my car i parked it in one place i came back wasn't there i had all the reason to respond to that with anger frustration panic to be angry to be flustered and if that's my curriculum for how I want to show up in the world and who I am as a person, then I can also look at it as an opportunity to go, wow, how can I deepen my meditative practice? Mm-hmm. How can I deepen my spiritual practice? How can I deepen me as an individual? Have you heard the saying, how we do one thing is how we do everything? Yeah. Maybe that speaks to that. It really does speak you to know. that. I think that I go... You know, I want to show up here and be totally at peace with the uncertainty Hmm. and even the chaos of not knowing where my car is. And if I could, if we could apply that in any other aspect of our life, especially for those of us that are in transition or looking for what's next, it's, you know, I highly recommend having a daily meditative practice because it's really no different than going to the gym. You know, like the more that I go to the gym, the healthier and more in shape I'm going to be. The more I practice the, the more I practice finding stillness in the chatter of my mind, in the um, uncertainty and unknowingness of my future. Can you imagine how much more we as people will enjoy the journey? Like think about how many people go, when I have a million dollars, I'm going to be successful or happy. You know, and does that mean that you have to be unfulfilled and miserable <laughs> until until you get there? If that moment comes, and then other <laughs> issues moment. come with having that. Yeah. You know, yeah, hey, that's a good point. It's like then you get to a million, having a million dollars, and you're like, well, now I have all these other problems that I needed to deal with. Notorious Big money, with. more problems. Exactly. <laughs> so I definitely, I think it's important to really do everything that you can 
to find stillness every day mm-hmm. along the and throughout the day and to enjoy the journey as it's unfolding and be curious and be curious and do as much self-discovery as you possibly can be comfortable with not knowing start taking action in the direction of what makes you feel alive where you feel like you can most powerfully serve and what will bring you deep fulfillment and allow you to really contribute to the world in a powerful way Mm. that's awesome man and the last question, I'll throw the heaviest one at you right now. Sorry. <laughs> but but how do you know when to keep pushing for something, some pursuit, and when to walk away? Mm, that's a fantastic question. Wow. You know, everyone's situation is going to be unique. And on one hand, I think to myself... Well, there's times where I wanted nothing more than to give up mm. and to quit. I was miserable. Like I think about... And this is at what phase in your this life? This is like, for example, during my... Uh, in high school when I was doing uh, conditioning for athletics to play basketball. I was so miserable. And then I finished that and I was in the best shape of my life. Mm. And I felt extraordinary. And so in some cases... It's kind of like when things get really uncomfortable uh, and all you want to do is quit and give up, leaning into the discomfort hmm. and completely following through and executing what you committed that you'd execute or finish hmm. is something I highly recommend. Anytime I want to make a big change or I want to end something, mm-hmm. I go to a yoga class, I go on a hike, I go out on the water, I connect with nature. Nature has like been a really powerful way for me to get clarity and insight or I meditate or I just get or I take a, a weekend trip somewhere. And then you'll make your decision. Yeah, I never mm. because the thing is, is that otherwise it's impulsive. Yes. And it's just yes. being driven by feelings. Yes. And it's not being driven by like real thoughtfulness. Yes. It's just going, I want this to end now because I hate how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to just end it answers come to you like you don't even have to find them in a sense like after a meditation or after yoga class or whatever time in nature i find that literally things just come to me Uh, i've heard somebody term it as downloading they're like downloading Mm, i like that yeah well yeah that's that gets into a whole conversation that maybe we can share the next time we're together is about trusting your intuition oh yeah and trusting your gut that's a very real thing and there's always this constant battle between the intuition and the head. Yeah, they're in a battle. <laughs> the head and the heart, yeah. You just got to have them become best friends and partners. That's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. Well, this has been a great, uh, great podcast. Thank you for joining us. And um, hopefully your car is still outside. It is. It's there. I see it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I've really yeah. enjoyed this. And do you have any socials that you want to share? Do you have a Twitter account that you can share? Yeah, it is Insight Curator. And, uh, I've also got, I'm going to be publishing my website soon, which is insightcurator.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at I see so much beauty. Just I see so much beauty. I, the letter C, the letter C so much beauty. There you go. We'll have it all linked up. Okay. Thanks, Evan. Talking